Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Uh, welcome to the Metron Live podcast coming to you from Metron in beautiful Kirkwood neighborhood, uh, Midtown Atlanta adjacent. Metron people, would you please give the podcast people a welcome? Thank you to the uh, rock god of podcasting who has returned, Kill the Fatted Calf. He has returned. And also, big thanks to BJ last week. I mean, it was seamless. I was just amazed. BJ took care of everything. Michelle wrote me and said, I've got meditation music on my computer. And I was, uh, not that we don't need Charles. Of course we do. But it was just nice to see how the whole thing works as a a unit. And he could do uh, what he does with... um, other places so very very cool so i love my beautiful tech team seems impersonal i got to come up with another word for y'all but y'all know y'all know what i mean uh i am i'm going to be brief but uh, i do want to get this installment of the series out so we speak into the atmosphere and we say let there be light uh my title this month is things to come predicting the future by creating it and i want to bring bring us back some um, balance to some of the things I said last week. Balance is very important. Finding your spiritual equilibrium, finding the sweet spot between two polarities. Um, Before I show you this first scripture, you know, uh, this phrase comes up more than once in the scriptures, but when in John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said something very interesting. He said, the time is coming, comma, and now is. He says, something's coming, but it already exists. I, I showed you that scripture out of Ecclesiastes, that in the Amplified Bible, it says, that which is already has been, and that which is to come already has been, so that history repeats itself. And what we want to examine this week is, or this month, is if we change something in the present that ultimately changes something in the future, how exactly does that work? I don't want to believe that my future is just locked in stone and I'm just carrying out some predestination script agenda that I have no, no control over. That, that seems really like a bleak existence to me. Uh, I'm fine with believing that there's a higher purpose for my life. I'm fine believing de- destiny. I'm even fine with believing that I chose to come here, that I chose the life that I'm in. I'm, I'm totally good with that concept that we pre-existed before we got here. And uh, On days when you feel really overwhelmed with life, sometimes that can be very empowering to say, well, I must be able to handle this because I, I signed up for this. I signed up for this life, so I guess I knew what I was getting into. And uh, I don't have all the bugs worked out on that one, you know, because I know there are some things that happen in our life that we're like, I didn't know, no way I would have chosen that. So don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. You know that's a reference to Talladega Nights when I say that. Sometimes <laughs> I assume you all know the movies that I uh, refer to. But um, anyway... Uh, having said that, let me show you this first scripture. This is something, this is Romans 4.17. I'm looking at the Amplified Classic. 
this is a phrase, if you ever had any history in the faith movement, you probably heard this phrase a lot, calling those things which are not as though they are. Uh, here's, uh, here's what it says in the Amplified. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already exist. Uh, if you listen to uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks a lot about visualizing something that you want to happen in the future and trying to get in touch with the emotion that you would feel when, or that you will feel when that thing manifests. Uh, when I, first time I heard him in person, and it's the first time I'd really done meditation before, I wasn't against it, it just wasn't really on my radar screen. And when he was, he said, while you're doing this meditation, visualize something and, and try to get in touch with the ecstasy that you would feel if that manifested. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot of Bible in my life. So my, I'm just wired to connect the dots there. So when he's, when he says that, I'm like, oh, that's, that's Mark 11, 24. That's believe you receive when you pray. I understand. And, um, you know, he's talking about, <laughs> this prophecy that he gives Abraham and Sarah about how they're going to become the parents to many nations. And he gives it to them after Sarah had already gone through menopause. And um, uh, how do I say this without being indelicate? Uh, Abraham's days as a lover were in the past. Let's just say Abraham and Sarah were good friends at this point. And <laughs> so God gives them this prophecy that not only is the opposite of their reality, it's nearly like they're being mocked. He changes the name Abram to Abraham, which in English doesn't sound that different. But Abraham means father of many nations. You're calling the guy who's the father of nobody the father of many nations? Like, ah, that's a little... It'd be like calling a homeless person the richest man in the world. It's like, you know, really? Is there something a little less dramatic than that? And then Sarai is turned to Sarah, which means young princess. And it's, it's, the reference is like to a, a nubile young woman who, uh, has not passed her, uh, childbearing years. And, um, so what this is, what, the writer here, this is Paul writing to the Romans, and he says, once God said it, he talked of it as if it already existed. And you know, it was um, 25 years before this manifested. So for a quarter of a century, these people had to be called this name that really mocked them. You know, like, you know, I'm sure some some sarcastic friend of Abraham would have bought cigars and said, you know, you you had any kids yet? And you know, at at, at a certain point, uh, it, it says that uh, somehow the the promise of God sort of uh, reinvigorated Abra, Abraham, and so Sarah says to him, well why don't you just have a baby with my uh, maidservant, Hagar? And, um, you know, the ultimate, that the reason there's trouble in the Middle East is just because, because, of, because of that. That's where all that came from, Ishmael and Isaac. Anyway, I don't want to get in the weeds on that. 
The point is here, he says, he speaks of the non-existent things as though they already existed. I wrote a, a meditation this week, and I said this um, phrase, because I was, I was talking about how all feelings are valid. And I said, you know, if, if, if you're feeling whatever, it's okay to feel that. And I, I talked about, you know, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, and he had to go in and sweat the drops of blood, but he asked his disciples, can you not wait with me an hour? And I said, sometimes all you need is somebody to, you know, weeping will, joy will come in the morning. But in the meantime, somebody's waiting with you in the dark. I was really proud of it. I think two people read it, but I, I thought it was really good. Uh, for those of you that care about what I spend a lot of time writing. But anyway, um, you know who you are at home. Thank you. But um, uh, I made this statement in there. I said, calling those things which are not as though they are is not the same thing as calling those things which are not, which are as though they are not. Do you understand? Calling those things which are not as though they are not is denial. That's like, la, 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 I don't believe this is existing. That's, that's, that's not really faith. Faith's not denial. Faith is calling something into existence. Uh, faith is proactive. And it involves forthtelling. Even the, the classic uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 is now faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. Um, the, the next verse I want to show you is, uh, this is Isaiah 46.10. This is in the New International Version. And it says, I make known, this is Isaiah speaking for God. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Now, for the sake of time, I don't know, I'm just going to have to just highlight this. Um, if you really believe something is coming, something is going to happen, to the point that you don't even struggle with talking about it like it's already real, Without even realizing it, you already believe it's real. Um, it's like it's like you have a gift of faith about it. You just know that you know it's going to happen. I've shared this with you before, but my um, I think my senior year in college, maybe it was my junior year, I don't remember. Whatever it was, they had this big thing in Washington, which at this point I wouldn't even be interested in going to something like this because the evangelical church of my youth is unrecognizable now, so I wouldn't be interested in doing that. But they had this big thing called Washington for Jesus, where they had like a million believers from all over the country converged upon Washington, and they had like a lot of good music, and I'd never been to Washington, D.C., and I, I was reading about it. Now, this is when I'm in college. This is right before final exams. I don't have enough money to, you know go to the drugstore and get my, you know, shaving and razors. You know, that was, you. some of you remember when it was like that, you had X amount of dollars every week, and I'm like, I already spent that early in the week, and I, you know, I got to, I need to go buy some stuff. And you learn all these things like putting water in the shampoo to kind of stretch it out, and maybe I can get a couple more days out of this. And uh, let's just say the idea of leaving, I, was, I went to school in Florida, leaving college, buying airfare, flying to, skipping 
final exams, flying to Washington, D.C., and getting lodging, it would, you might as well have said, would you like to fly to Jupiter? That's how just completely impossible that was. But I was reading about this Washington for Jesus, and it just came up. You know, she kept mentioning sound coming out of your belly. It, it didn't come from my brain. I was reading, and I just said, I'm going to that. I'm totally going to that. I didn't know how I was going to it, but I, I'm going to that. And I remember, to, you know, I don't know if, if Howie's watching today. He's in Nova Scotia right now. But, um, I don't even know if he remembers this, but I told him, I said, I'm going to Washington for Jesus. He said, when is it? I said, like next week. How are you? You got final exams. I said, I don't know. I'm just totally going. I didn't even tell my parents because I don't think they would have been happy with the idea. Um, and just from that decision, like this series of things happened like within 48 hours. Like out of the clear blue, this church invited me to come speak for them. I went there and sp spoke. They pay I was surprised what they paid me. My honorarium was exactly what I needed for airfare. I go talk to my uh, professors. I think if it had been anything besides Washington for Jesus, I think they would have said no. But I said, is there any way I can take this either before or after? I really feel like I want to go to this thing. And surprisingly, they all say, yeah, we can work that out. Like, it's just the planets just lined up in a few hours. And the next thing I knew, I'm, like, I'm, I'm on a plane. You know, like, my friends were like, we didn't even think you were serious. I said, I just knew I was, I just knew I was going to this. It wasn't like it was on some bucket list, one of these days I want to go. It was just something about catching the energy of it. That moment I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to this. I was so resolute about it that I didn't even worry about how I was going to do it. Do you understand? If you start immediately thinking, all right, I could do this, you're not going. <laughs> that's having, that's a plan. That's a bucket list. That's a, one of these days we'll go to Washington. This was like, oh, when is this thing? Four days from now? Huh. I'm going to it. I mean, it's like I just, it was nearly like, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but it's like I went into a, like a trance-like state. I was just like, I know I'm going to this thing. I don't know how. Can I talk to my professor? Hey, I'm going to watch it for Jesus. You are? When is it? Day after tomorrow. You know, it's the day of our exam. Yes. And my professors were typically not team players. I mean, they usually would say, you know, you need to stay here and take your exams. And it was kind of like, remember like on Bewitched when Endora would be floating in Darren Stevens' office and they, you know, you'd hear bring and, and they go, yes, Stevens, we will give you the account. You know, they don't know how it happened. It's like all my professors were just like, mm, like, yes, you are going to it. And next thing I know, I'm like driving to the Tampa airport. Can I get a ride? I'm flying. <laughs> I mean, like in a few hours. And I remember this is back when some of you have no idea who I'm talking about. Some of you remember in the seventies, the Imperials, you'll, you'll know. Well, I loved Russ Taff. I loved him. He was like, ugh. He didn't even want to know how much I loved him. And um, I get somehow, I can't even remember now because this is like 1978. But like I get, I guess I got a cab from the airport. I don't even remember. I get out of the cab. 
I'm walking and there's like people everywhere and Russ Tapp walks right by me and I'm like, hey Russ, how you doing? It was nearly like a dreamlike state. Like, did I really just pull this off? Like, how, how am I here? And you can't be that way about everything. And I don't know why it just caught, that just caught, I just spoke of the non-existent things as though they already existed. It wasn't like I said, I'd like to go. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to that. And there's been other things. There's things that have happened, like something I wanted to see in New York or something that I was like, oh, I'm not even, I'm not even double-minded, but like, I'm, I'm going to that. Um, so what he says here is that's the way God is. He speaks of the thing. He declares the end from the beginning. I was, uh, I was talking to the boys about this, uh, Wednesday night. We, Judah and some friends of his went to Florida during the hurricane they just had. And I texted him because I had just, they were going to Panama City and I, there, there was a guy standing on Panama City Beach on the news saying, this is going to hit here in a few hours. Y'all were in Pensacola, weren't you? Uh, huh? Miami. Miami. Oh, okay. Uh, we're good. I, I, he said, it's going to hit here and it's going to, he basically says it's going to wipe out Panama City. So I texted Judah. I said, I'm not trying to be fearful. I just, I'm assuming you've seen this on the news. They're, this is what they're saying. He's like, I know, but I think we're going to go. I don't know how they did it, but, you know, he's, unless he's just finding some stuff online, he's posted pictures of rainbows and beautiful, like, the, it never, I don't know what y'all's experience was. His was, yeah, it never rained. It was great. And he said, we had already, he said, these two guys I went with were just, they're just like really good sports. And like, we don't care if it rains. We don't care. We don't care if it's a hurricane. But they kind of went with that attitude. And the weather was great. And uh, you, you nearly have to have that attitude about things. Like Jesus saying, let us cross to the other side. He didn't say, let us believe for good weather. He says, we're crossing to the other side. And I was telling them, I said, you know, one reason I've always had a really good travel mojo, I always have magic happens on our trips, is because I wouldn't tell you it was a bad trip if it was. I don't want you to think I have bad trips. I don't know why that's true. I want you to think my trip. So because it's already locked in, my my narrative is already going to be, this was the best trip ever. So because I go with that in mind, it becomes the best trip ever. I'm, you know, I, I don't get in all my anecdotes. I've told so many times, but this one, I will tell you all the details. But this one year, a few years ago, we, we kind of got in the wrong, um, uh, reality with go, Ken and I were going to New York and like it wasn't going the way it normally does. We missed our flight. There wasn't another flight that day. I had to pay extra to, to get another you know, two other tickets that we weren't planning for. The the cab driver took us to the wrong hotel. It was just like this isn't this isn't working right. This isn't like so I go I go into the hotel. I said I told the cab driver, I said, just let me out here. I know where the place is. I'm just gonna walk there. I go there, place we've stayed before, can't find our reservation. You know when you're you're ready to check in and they just keep clicking that little keyboard. You're like, is there a problem? And she's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Swiley, we just can't find you. And um, that's always, a, when, when they call me Swiley, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to go well. 
<laughs> I probably put too much emphasis on it, but typically I think, that's nah, not going to work. And, uh, she, you know, the, the guy just keeps standing. No, it's a woman. She keeps standing there looking and looking until now it's becoming awkward. I mean, I made this reservation two or three months ago. And um, it was like, y'all are spiritual enough to understand this. It was like two realities warring with one another. It's like I felt myself being pulled into this like horrible reality. <laughs> and like with everything in me, I wasn't even praying. I was just like, uh, I was just, I don't know how to say I was sending out energy, but I was like, I am pulling you into my reality. And all of a sudden, I, I was like, this is going to work. She goes, oh, they put the last letter of your the first letter of your last name, whatever it was, they typed it in wrong. She goes, oh, here it is. And she says, you know what? I said, what? She said, because you've had to stand here so long, I'm going to upgrade you uh, to a much, you're going to have a Times Square view. Because I hadn't asked for that because it was considerably more. And uh, then I was like, ah, we're in the right reality. And for the rest of that trip, it was just like, you know, everywhere you go, you get the best seat, the best, you know, whatever. But I wouldn't have told you it was horrible if it had been horrible. I'm not going to come back and say, we had the worst trip ever. So I'm already just naturally inclined to declare the end from the beginning. Okay? Third scripture I want to show you. Uh, this is... Um, I predict that the third point is going to be, ah, there it is. This is James chapter, James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 in the English Standard Version. Now, I want to show you this because I'm trying to bring you some balance. Let me tell you about balance. You know, like old school ballroom dancing when people embraced one another and danced, there's something called leading. Like when a couple dances, one leads. That's why they always say that uh, when people compare uh, Fred uh, Fred Astaire with Ginger Rogers, he danced with other people, but his main, most famous was Ginger Rogers. People always say, this is why women are superior, because Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, except she did it backwards and on high heels. And... Uh, but the, the idea with leading is that some, somebody's going to have to lead. And I feel like that is um, metaphoric about how this works. Sometimes God leads, sometimes you lead. Sometimes there's more than you can ask or think. Sometimes it's decree a thing and it'll be established into you. And if, you're, if you prefer saying the universe or higher power or whatever, we're all talking about the same thing. But sometimes, sometimes you need to be absolutely resolute. This is what's going to happen. I speak it into existence. I walk into it. The words that I speak are the house I'm going to live in. And there are other times when you just have to go with the flow. Well, how do I know when it is? I can't tell you when that is. This is why you've got to learn your own rhythms. You've got to learn your own energy. You've got to learn yourself. 
Listen to me. When the 91st Psalm says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that means that your place with God is secret for me. I can't, I can't judge you on your journey because yours, yours is a secret place. It's intimate. It's personal to you. I can know kind of about it, but I don't really know it. You can't know mine. You can kind of know my journey, but the, the Most High lives in a secret place. Do you understand? The, the mo- that's why you can't judge somebody else's journey at all because their, their journey is a secret from you. How dare you invade their privacy and say, I'm going to know your secret place. That's, that's very impersonal. You don't, you don't know me like that. You can't, you can't, no more than you could jump into bed with me. You can't know my secret place with God because it's, it's unique to me. Uh, so here's what James says. You know, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. He says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, that's a big that statement right there, a lot of people don't know how to navigate with that. Because some people are afraid to declare anything. If the Lord wills, I don't know. You can't, you can't keep it in neutral that much. Sometimes you do have to put it in drive. How do you know when it's the right time? I can't tell you that. That's your secret place of the Most High. All I'm telling you is there are some times where you have to say, I don't know exactly how this thing's going to work out. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen tomorrow, but something's going to happen. And then there are other times you begin to lead the dance. Sometimes you lead. Some, sometimes God says, make a plan and I'll bless it. I would nearly say that at this point, the higher power prefers that you lead. Let us make people in our image and let, let them have dominion. Let them lead the dance. Let them figure it out. You know, if you keep saying, I've been waiting here for 30 years for something to happen. I know God's up to something. No, I think you're just missing it. (laughs) You know, you're not getting any younger. He says there, you are a mist that appears for a little time. We watched some old movies yesterday. And I'm looking at movies that we watched one that was made in the 30s and one that was made Today, we were watching one this morning that was made in the 50s. And I thought, everybody that worked on this movie, all of them are gone now. Like they were here for a minute, uh, and they're not here now. And uh, so you have to keep in touch with the, the brevity of life. You've just, you know, you know how I've compared it. Some of y'all that grew up in the 70s, 60s and 70s, Saturdays. Kids today have no idea what a Saturday used to be. Saturday cartoons, instead of watching cartoons in your pajamas, eating crummy cereals, and you watch all the cartoons, and then Tarzan would come on. I know Tarzan's politically incorrect, but I love Tarzan. And then American Bandstand, and then Soul Train Jesus. That was, that was the best. And the thing about Soul Train is, is the Soul Train line. Yeah. 
where everybody lined up and you had a minute to, you know, go through and do your thing. Like, that was, you know, that's your, that was your thing. That's your little moment to do your thing. And then you're out of there and the next couple comes twirling through. And that's kind of what life is. Life is like a soul train line. Do you know what I mean? It's like, all right, all right, you, we're, we're all looking. What you got? And you got to, you don't have time to say, I believe God's got a plan. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have time. You got to wear some platform shoes and get on there and, you know, bust a, you know, do something. Because you just, you just got a minute. <coughs> that's, that's the meaning, you know, the, the Latin carpe diem, it sees the day. You've got to, you have a minute to, to do something, figure it out. And if you're, the whole thing is like, one of these days God's going to do something. Like the, so the credits are already running. Don Cornelius has already said goodbye. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you can't be, dare I say it this way, you can't be afraid to be God. Hear, hear what I'm saying. Why else would, why would God say to Moses, you will be God to Pharaoh? He didn't say, stand back, Moses, and I will show him that I am God. God says, no, you, you'll, you go be God to him. And just kept coming up with more and more plagues. Like, <laughs> it's like God's going, I know, I know where we did frogs. And locusts, but let me just—I am just loving what you're doing to Pharaoh right now. Let me just do a couple of more. Like seriously, I think we've made our point now. No, no, no. I want you to be God to Pharaoh. Well, didn't it show the glory of God? It really showed the glory of Moses. See, some of y'all aren't ready for that yet. Like, oh no, I could never be. That's why you're here. But I'm so—I'm so full of sin. So Jesus comes and says, "All right, here." We go to the cross. Okay. Sin's taken care of. Now, what it is finished. Now, here's your purpose. This is what we made you for to have dominion. So now, Jesus says, it's necessary that I go away. Because as long as I'm here, you're going to be around, around me going, God's got a plan. He's <laughs> like, no. I'm going to leave now so you can get a plan. But I don't know if I'm doing the right. No, this is why. Here, all right, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, or I'm going to come as the Holy Spirit, lead you into all the truth. But at some point, you've got to make some decisions. You've got to be declarative. Now, I know, it's good, right? <laughs> um. All right, now the, I'm going to show you this quote on this meme because this nearly sounds counterintuitive to everything I've just said. How can two things be true at, at the same time? Because they can be. How can the worst thing that ever happened to you be the best thing that ever happened to you? Because it can be. 
there are parallel universes. There are multiple realities. So just hear me out, because here's the other side. All right. Cody Kaplinger says this. You can't control everything, and I agree with that. You can predict your future, but you don't have control over everybody else's and world events. So you've got to factor in. You're not living in a vacuum. So your future many times is very connected to what other people are doing. You can't control everything. Sometimes you just need to relax and have faith that things will work out, let go a little, and just let life happen. You've got to always remember that because, yes, you are here to create. Yes, you are here to be God in the earth. But sometimes you just have to say, I don't know about this one. I remember, you know, I pay very much attention to the things that Ken says. His, you know, his words matter to me. And I remember two or three years ago when he had gallbladder surgery. And I mean, like, a couple of nights before we went on this meditation thing, he was like on the floor doubled over in pain, waiting for his surgery. Well, then this meditation weekend comes up, and he had enough time to go, but what do we do if we get down there and something happens? I mean, yes, there are, there are hospitals down there, but we don't know. I mean, I don't know. And we kept talking about it. I said, I can't tell you what to do. It's, this is your body. I'm not going to, of course I want you to go, but I'm not going to insist that you go and then you get down there and something happened and it's my fault, you know, that <laughs> you died on Driftwood Beach, you know, and like that's not, I don't like that. So I remember he, he'd come in late for work and he went in to take a shower and I was just online and he, he came out after the, I guess, I guess he met God in the bathroom. I don't know. Uh, he came out, and I remember he said, I'm just going to close my eyes and go. And I said, so be it. And he went, and it was fine. And the surgery came up a few days later, and that's been fine. But he, I knew what he meant when he said, I'm just going to close my eyes and go. Because it's one of those things where he had to make that decision. He could have stayed here out of precaution and been totally fine. And, you know, we're on the beach going like, oh, my God, this meditation weekend was the best. Jesus appeared in bodily form in Jekyll Island and said, Shh, don't tell anybody I was here. <laughs> Y'all are the best group. And um, but when he said, I'm just going to close my eyes and go, you know, when she was she brought you up to the highest chakra today, she said, put your hand on your third eye. That's something you don't hear a lot in Judeo-Christian theology, but that, that in a lot of Eastern religions, the idea is there's an eye. It's in Bible world, it's faith is evidence of things not seen. It's like I'm I'm seeing something by the Spirit that I can't see with the natural eye. When do you know it's time just to put your feet up and say, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm not going to make it worse by worrying about it. I'm just going to close my eyes and go. I remember the way he looked. When he came out, he did his hand. I'm just going to close my eyes and go. And I'm like, I got it. Pack a bag. Let's go. And I think that was like the night before, wasn't it? I mean, it was like, right. I mean, we were, I was already packed and ready to go. And I said, I can't tell you what to do. Um, now, this one, this next one is a little even more extreme. You judge this for yourself because this is a strong statement. Look at this one. I've quoted this person, Rainer Maria Rilke, before. Let life happen to you. Believe me, 
Life is in the right always. Now, I don't know. Can you, can you accept that? I don't know. The, the extreme interpretation of that is, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let, I'm just going to float down the river and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't know that that's the best thing. It's like I told you last week when I was talking about, or was it, was it last? Yeah, I was talking about vac vaccinations. Vaccines for, looks like COVID's making a little bit of a comeback. Um, and I'm very pro, your journey is your journey. One's supposed to, there's a new booster supposed to be out this week. I'll be at CVS going, boost me, baby. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. If you're not, fine. That's your journey. Uh, what I do think is stupid is people who say, well, I'm not getting vaccinated because I just believe when it's your time to go, it's your time to go, there's nothing you can do about it. If that's true, you wouldn't do anything to help. You would just walk out in traffic and go, if it's not my time to go, la, 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 nothing, you know. Of course, that's, that's insane. Do you wear seat belts? Do you lock your door at night? Do you have smoke detectors? Do you, t <laughs> I mean, if that's the, if that were the case, you'd never even go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm bleeding out, but I just think when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Well, I can tell you, it's about your time to go. <laughs> you're about you're about a half pint away from your time to go. I predict. I'm standing in front of that 18-wheeler. I just think when it's your time to go, it's your time. Well, I predict it's about to be your time. <laughs> Maybe you've watched too many Roadrunner cartoons, but... You know, once that thing runs over you and flattens you out in the desert, you're not bouncing back in the next frame. So you sure you want to go with whatever's going to happen is going to happen. La, la, la. No, that's ridiculous. However, there are times when you just need to say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to yield to what is happening. I'm going to embrace what is. And I'm going to believe that life knows. I'm all for people pulling through and, you know, not dying prematurely or whatever, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes someone is tired of fighting physically, and sometimes you have to trust them to let them make their decision about life and death if if there is such a thing i'm not sure death is real it may be a perception but you know what i mean when when you leave the physical body you can say oh no i want you to stay or you could say whatever whatever you do i respect of course we'll miss you but i know just just what little bit of I've been through this year with MRIs and all the, I don't know that there's any, I think I've had everything except a pap smear this year. And I don't see any reason for that. But I've had MRIs, stress tests, you, you name it, I've had it. Echocardiogram, what else have I had this year? I mean, I have been photographed more than a supermodel. Um, and just, and that stuff doesn't hurt. It's just, emotionally taxing everywhere you go you got to wait for the doctor to tell you this next 
thing that may sound completely different from what they told you three weeks ago. And when I've been doing that, I think, man, people that really have life-threatening stuff, that they're in pain, I can see why they just say, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Because it's, it's, it, it's a lot. I mean, it really, really is. And I'm, I'm not giving anybody permission to throw in the towel prematurely, but sometimes you just have to say, if you're ready to go, I'll meet you on the other side. Because that's not me fighting that fight in your body. And there comes a time where you just say, this is, I don't want to fight like this. That's why even with uh, Mr. Bo, my ex-father-in-law, you know, I, I wrote something about him this week. It's absolutely true. I never heard him say anything negative. I've never heard anybody say anything negative about him. Uh, he's just decent, good man, sweet man. And I think, well, he fought a good fight. He kept the faith. He, you know, he, he said, I'm going by September 12th. And then he kept his word. I mean, I'm not crying about it. I'm like, wow, that was pretty, that's pretty amazing. I saw him at Shannon's service a few weeks ago and I said, bye, Mr. Bowes. Good to see you. And I remember thinking this will be the last time you see him on this side. So I'm, you know, I'm, I wasn't totally shocked. Uh, but I thought, well, he's, you know, he actually said to Debbie, I want to be free. And, you know, when your body, that's why I have, I told you all this, I've amended my confession all these years. I said, I'm living out my 120 years. And recently I thought, you know what, you might better amend that and say, as long as I'm healthy and in my right mind and know who you are, then I want to stay at 120. But if that's not an option, let's go and see what's next. I don't want to speak it into existence, and I'm, you know, the last 40 years of my life, you know, somebody's got to <laughs> change my diaper, and I don't know who they are. Let me tell you, I already been through that with my dad, and with every diaper I change, I'm like, I don't want this to happen with my kids. You know, do not. And that I also had to slow it down. When they said, you have an aneurysm, and you could go like that. I'm like, okay, I, I didn't want to go that fast. I kept saying to my kids, I don't want to stay a long time. Well, I want to stay long enough to text y'all. <laughs> I'm on the way to the emergency room. Like, can I, can I find somewhere? Did I, did I speak into existence the quickest way to get out of here? You know, this morning, I was taking my... My super beats gummy. I'm like, the aneurysm is shrinking. Because I'm like, I'm not ready to go yet. I just got a new shoulder. I'd like to try it out for a little while. If I thought I was checking out next week, I wouldn't have done this. Anyway, let me wrap this up. Y'all still with me? All right. This is, uh, what is this? Oh, this is a, a quote. Uh, Buckminster Fuller, many of you know who he was. He was a, a futurist. Uh, he said this. Uh, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. The reason I included this is if you keep creating your future out of your past, you're just going to keep going around Sinai for 40 years. That's why you have to acknowledge the things you've been through, but also say, okay, that was then, this is now. I've, I've got to, I've got to start creating something different with new information or otherwise all I'm doing is reinforcing a stronghold like th that happens I'm you know it's like 
A terrible thing happens, so you talk about the terrible thing, and talking about the terrible thing makes more terrible things happen. So you're just caught in a loop. So at some point you have to say, yes, terrible thing happened, but I'm believing something's going to change now, and I'm creating a new reality, and then I'm going to finish with this. Um, Anton St. Martin, it's a very simple quote, but I like it. It says, your future is not tomorrow. The future is what you are creating today. Again, Jesus says, the time is coming, comma, and now is. That which is to come already has been, so that history repeats itself. But you can alter history. History doesn't have to repeat itself. It usually does, but it doesn't have to. Did you get anything out of this? Let's all stand. Stand, please. Let me show you this outro, and then I'm going to speak a blessing over you. If we can, please. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give anytime using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit bishopthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, make the JESM. You just give it to Colonel. He'll give it to Avery. She'll deposit it. If you have cash, pay it forward. You might want to bless Chelsea. We're, we'll... Uh, give her, her something today, but you might want to do that as well. Chelsea, it was fantastic. You're amazing and original and unique. Um, I speak over your present and over your future. You have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of truth that leads you into truth. You are not afraid to make decisions. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. You are not ir irresolute. You do not halt between two opinions. You are secure. You are confident. You are knowledgeable. You are wise. You are a sage and a seer. And you harness the power of the Holy Spirit to create your best future. I decree that your best days are now and your best days are also ahead of you. With long life, he satisfies you and shows you his salvation you are blessed when you come in, and you are blessed when you go out. And you wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day the Lord has enabled me to make. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God bless you. Go in peace. See you next Sunday.